Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Happy Father's Day, dads. And uh, so glad to celebrate with you. This message today is for everyone. But if you're a dad... Today, I hope that you will dial in on the things that we're talking about today. We've been in a series of messages that we've called The Voices in My Head, talking about our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions. Today, we're going to look at the story of a guy named Gideon. We, we are introduced to him in Judges chapter 6. His story actually carries over into the next couple of chapters. We're only going to look at a small kind of segment, just a snippet of his story. Let me give you the big picture, though. If you're not familiar with the story, what happens is Gideon is called by God to rescue and save his nation, to rescue the people, Israel. And at the end of the day, he does. He succeeds. God rescues them through him. But it's not that simple. Right in this story... There are doubts, and there are fears, and there are twists, and there are turns. And the whole story, I think, hinges on something that has to happen here at the beginning. So we're just going to look at the beginning of this story today. First few verses are where we're going to focus in on the life of a guy named Gideon. I think it will be helpful for us. Judges chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, it says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Aberzite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, like so many times in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of stuff there that means nothing to us, like the names we don't know and the places we're not familiar with, and even the, the cultural reality of what's happening there is unfamiliar to us. When it says he's threshing wheat, for most of us, that, that, that's not anything we've ever had any experience with. The, the closest we've ever been to threshing wheat is buying a loaf of bread, right? I mean, that's, we, we don't know how it works. But what they would do is they would take the, the stalks of the grain and they would, they would beat the heads of that that would cut the stalks with a flail then and they would just have the heads of this. They would discard the straw part and then they would take what was left with like a pitchfork or whatever and they would throw it up in the air, everything that was left. And because they had, they had beat it, it would separate the good grain from the outer chaff that it would be called. Now, the chaff you'd want to get rid of, the good grain you'd want to keep. So when they would throw it in the air, the wind would blow away the chaff, but the grain that was heavier would drop back down onto the threshing floor. So that was the way that they would separate the grain, the, the good wheat, from the chaff. Now, this is interesting that it says that he's doing this in a wine press, because usually if you're going to thresh the wheat, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get in a place, oftentimes on a hilltop, somewhere open and up and exposed so that the wind can blow through, so that it can blow away the bad stuff, so that you're left with the good stuff, but he's not on a hilltop. He's not somewhere where the wind is blowing. Instead, it says he's under a tree in a wine press. A wine press would actually kind of be just, just the opposite of a hilltop. This, this was an indentation in the stone, a pit maybe that was cut out that was there that would be in a place for the, the pressing of grapes. And so instead of being up and out in the open, he's hidden and down inside. It is not the optimal place. It's a sorry substitute for where you should be threshing wheat. And you ask the question, why? And it says, because he was keeping it from the Midianites. And again... It doesn't mean anything to us unless you've read the previous verses. 
Go back to verse 2 of Judges chapter 6. It says, because the power of Midian, so that's the Midianites, Judges chapter 6, verse 2, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It's impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. This is a bad situation. The Israelites are in a bad place because the Midianites would come in and whenever there was a harvest, they would destroy it. They would take what they wanted. They would leave Israel in this desperate place, so desperate that they, they don't know what else to do. And if you read the whole backstory here, you kind of understand just how desperate they were. They call out to God for help. And in the midst of this, you have this dude Gideon, random guy named Gideon, who when he should be on a hilltop is down in a wine press trying to do a job that could be done in a much better way. And he's doing it in a way that is less than effective. And all of a sudden, this happens. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's a cool welcome, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to be greeted that way? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What an encounter he has here. And not only is there this moment where he sees an angel and an angel says something like this to him. Many theologians believe, and you'll see this as you read through the story, that might have not only been an angel, but it might have been God himself who was there visiting with Gideon. And in that moment, you can imagine it's an angel. It's God's messenger. It might even be God himself who says to him, God is with you, mighty warrior. And then you think about for the moment, And you kind of say, well, that's kind of (laughs) funny because it seems kind of contradictory because if God is with you, I don't know that you'd be hiding in a wine press. And if you're a mighty warrior, you probably wouldn't spend your life looking over your shoulder. And so somehow what God is saying is not matching what's really happening here. It seems like anything's happening but God being with him. It feels like Gideon thinks of himself as anything but a mighty warrior. It kind of lines right up with what we've been talking about these last few weeks in this Voices in My Head series as we talk about the feelings, the emotions, the thoughts that we go through. And I'm sure there's times when you walk out of here on a Sunday or you spend time in God's word or you listen to something encouraging or someone says a word of affirmation to you and you feel for a moment like you're a mighty warrior and you are uplifted on Sunday and you've been beat down by Thursday. Anybody? Like these things happen to us, and the reality is there are these times when the voices in our head start to tell us things that are different than what God's word says to us. And there's these times when I know I'm supposed to control my thoughts, but it feels like my thoughts are controlling me. And there's times when scripture says I should have a certain perspective on guilt and shame, but instead it keeps coming back and is my constant companion. There's times when anger shows up, and I'm quick to invite it in. There's times when unforgiveness knocks on the door of my brain and I'm quick to give up valuable real estate to that bitterness in my life. Anybody else? And there's these moments where there's these thoughts that come that might not line up with what God's word says, but what's happening inside of me is something different. 
There are times when I know that something is supposed to be true, but it sure doesn't seem like it. And what I want to do today is introduce you to this story of Gideon and show you how God had to change his perspective to be able to, to, to find victory over the voices that were in his head. Because there are these times when God's word says, this is what you are, but that isn't what you feel like. Anybody? Like the reality is we know these truths, but how do we live them out? Two things I want you to see in Gideon's story today. Two things to remember when you feel like you aren't who God says you are. Two things that I hope you'll remember today when you feel like you aren't who God says you are. Here's the first one. Number one, this is super simple, but I think, I think it, can, it, can, it can make all the difference. Number one, God is enough. When you feel like you aren't who God says you are, remember this, number one, that God is enough. This is the place where we have to begin, that when you're facing a situation that God brings your way. I loved how Pastor Chris in that video kind of compared it, the, the difference between the, the mild and then getting all the way down to the blazing heat, right? When you go through those different seasons and moments in life, you have to remember that God is enough. And actually, that's where the message starts for Gideon, right? This messenger, this word from God comes to him and says to him, the Lord is with you. And if God is with you, that's enough, right? Now, there's two shifts that I believe we're going to have to make in our thinking if we're really going to believe this, that God is enough. Let, let me just kind of hit, hit these real quick today. And you see this in Gideon's life. One of the things is that if you really believe that God is enough, then you have to change your perspective from fear to faith. Then you have to change your perspective from fear to faith. Now, this was huge for Gideon. There he is in a wine press, right? He's hiding. He's doing what he should have done on a hilltop, but he's not out there doing it because he's afraid. And there are times in our lives when we want to hide. Years ago, I kind of made a determination that in my relationships with other people, I don't want to be in a place that when I see certain people when I'm out and about that I have to hide from them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's one, there's one aisle in the, in the store that I'm never going to go down. I'm never going to go down the nail polish aisle, right? <laughs> but there's that temptation that if you see somebody coming your way who you don't want to see, and that's the first right turn you can make, you'll go right down the nail polish aisle, right? Why? Because I'm trying to hide from them. And we do that from so many things in our lives at times because fear comes our way. What's our natural response? Our natural response is when fear comes, I want to hide. I'm going to duck. I'm going to get out of the way here. And I want to challenge you to stop hiding. Gideon had a visitor show up at that moment. The visitor could have showed up when Gideon was at home in bed. He could have showed up when Gideon was out doing different work. He could have showed up when Gideon was eating a meal. But the Lord decided to show up in the moment when Gideon was hiding because part of what he was calling Gideon to do was to stop hiding. And say, Gideon, it's time for you to trade your fear in for faith. Why do we hide? Well, we hide because of fear. We hide when there's things that we don't want to face. And we try to get out of the way and we hide because of fear. Look, I don't blame Gideon for hiding. I probably would have hid too in a situation like that. But God shows up and says to him, I'm with you. So you don't have to hide anymore because God is enough. Th this becomes really important because what happens is when fear comes in and we start to hide, there's a price that we pay. Fear causes us to accept substitutes that do not satisfy. 
And I want to park here for just a minute and have you maybe think about this a little bit. Because Gideon's out there in a wine press instead of a hilltop. And he's threshing in a way that's far less effective than it could have been because his fear caused him to accept a substitute that did not satisfy. And so many times because of fear, you and I find ourselves in places where we accept sorry substitutes. Think about it for a minute. Sometimes we hide in our sin. Like we have this fear that God isn't going to be able to meet our needs, so we do what we want to do instead of doing what his word would tell us to do. That's why we cheat sometimes. That's where lying and lust and anger come from. It's those moments when we say, God, I'm gonna do this because I'm not so sure that you can, and we hide in our sins because we fear that God's gonna be effective. Another place where I think it's, it's good for us to think about is I think we hide in our technology. Look, I'm a, I'm a big fan of technology. I, I love it, I'm intrigued by it, but I think it's something that's good for me to step back and go, is this a tool or is this someplace where I hide? Like if, if TV and movies or music are, are just a way that I self-medicate to get away from other things, then maybe I need to think about that. If, I, if I'm so lost in my phones that I can't see past that screen to what's going on around me, then that's something I need to consider. If, if I'm spending some of my very best hours on video games that cause me to, to steal time from where God would really have me to put it, that I'm, that I'm locked into this screen while the real world around me and my job and family and my friends are traded for this digital experience that satisfies for a moment but leaves me op open and, and empty once that screen goes dark, then maybe I'm hiding in my technology. I would encourage you, too, that oftentimes we hide in our pain. Look, oftentimes we say, well, I can't take a step forward today because of the pain that I had yesterday. Look, I... I love Father's Day. I think it's an awesome day. I would be okay if we did Father's Day once a month. Can I get an amen, dads? Right? It's a hearty, masculine amen. But here's the deal. For a lot of us, even for those of us that celebrate it, there's a part of it that hurts. Like even for me, Father's Day highlights, as much as I enjoy it, it highlights a certain sense of loss. For some of us, it points us to what we no longer have, it points us to a relationship maybe we never had. For some of us, it fills our lives with regret in all kinds of ways. So this is a day that's not just for celebration, but for many of us, it's often a day that leads to pain as well. And what pain does to me is it gives me a place where instead of moving forward into my future, I like to retreat and hide in my past. And so I've been hurt yesterday, so I can't trust today that boss, that relationship, that friend, that church, maybe even God. And I hide in my pain from real life that's going on around me. The real reason is I, I, I retreat into fear because I don't have the faith to believe that God can help me move past that pain. And guys, can I, can I say, say something else too? And I think this is really important. We live in a culture that likes to take pot shots at dads and masculinity. Isn't that true? Like, and and we're, we're quick to to highlight any time that a, that a guy wants to step into his biblical role as protector and leader in the home, there's this quick opportunity, well, that's toxic masculinity, Amen. right? Now, I don't believe that. I believe that God has called us to uniqueness in our genders and roles that he's called us to. Amen. 
We're going to talk about that again in a few weeks. But can I also say this? Guys, one of the places that we sometimes hide is in our masculinity. Because sometimes I'll put that masculinity out there, and instead of it being my role, it becomes a barrier. Like if I, if I can be a man, then I don't have to be vulnerable. And we can hide behind that at times. And sometimes we say, we're, well, we're too tough to open up or to let anyone in. And that isn't because we're a man. It might just be because we're afraid. And God calls us to wrestle with this fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And here's the difference between fear and faith. Faith gives us freedom to not have to hide anymore. We don't have to hide anymore because what God's word says is that God is enough for us. So we have to change our perspective from fear to faith. And then what comes with that is we change our perspective from doubt to trust. We then change our perspective from doubt to trust. And I think that's really important to get because if you stay in that place of doubt, you can't move forward. What trust does is trust inspires me to act. Trust inspires me to move forward. So you not only change your perspective from fear to faith, but you change your perspective from doubt to trust. I love this story because the angel says to Gideon, God is with you, mighty warrior. And in that moment, they have this exchange that to me does not seem likely when you're just reading the Bible, but as a human, it seems very practical. Watch what happens next. Judges chapter 6, verse 13. God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. He's very polite, isn't he? <laughs> pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You hear a lot of doubt there? Like I can be quick to trash Gideon, except listen to what he's saying here. He's saying, you're telling me God's with me, <laughs> but it sure doesn't seem like it. You've seen the world around me? You seen the mess that we're in? If God's with me, don't you think things would be different? Isn't that a very human question to ask? Look, let's just be honest. Haven't you asked it at some point? Like, haven't you looked at the headlines at some point and said, where's God in all of this? You ever looked at the story of people going on around you and kind of think, why are they going through that? God, where are you? God, why does it seem like you've left us, forsaken us, abandoned us? And it's, it's, it's natural for us to ask those questions at different times to the point that sometimes it can even make it hard for some of us to believe in him. Look, I hear that story all the time from people. They say, look, I want to trust God, but I've got all these doubts. Look at the world. Look at how people have suffered, including those I love. I'd like to believe in him, but I have too many questions. And there are a lot of questions that we can have. And to be honest... As a human, I want to answer those questions. And as a pastor, like I want to answer those questions for you. You know, you know how when you feel like you want to have all the answers all the time? Like I feel like if I don't have the answer, then somehow I've failed. Right then when, when somebody says, hey, why is the world like this? Or why am I going through this? Or why is this happening? Or like Gideon said, where's God? Like I'm, I'm quick to want to go, hey, here's the answers. And sometimes it's good for us to talk about the answers. Because sometimes we go through things in our lives that are just our fault. True? True? Yeah, like turn to the person next to you and say it's your fault. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But like, right, there's, there's these times where it's just like, and that's what this story was. 
Like the reason they were in such bad shape, if you read the whole, the whole chapter, is because they'd abandoned and turned their back on God. Right? Sometimes it's, it's your fault. Sometimes you go through things that aren't your fault, but you can, you can look back and you go, that's, that's something somebody else did. Like it's the ramifications of somebody else's decisions and their choices. And then sometimes things just happen because the world we live in isn't perfect. Have you learned that? <laughs> like there is sickness and there is tragedy and there is crime and terrorism and pain and evil. It's, it's the result of sin. And I know that's an easy general answer, but the truth is the world will always be like that until Jesus comes again. Like there's, there's that sin that will be there. And then sometimes I just don't get it. But sometimes God allows things to happen because he's advancing a, a cause and a purpose. He's working something out in our lives or through our lives that we may never fully understand. And see, in my life, what I want to do is I want to give you an answer to all those questions. And, and I want it to be an answer that you just go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes everything so much easier. What's interesting about this passage is that God doesn't even try to answer his question. Gideon says, if God's really with us, then where is he? Sure looks to me like he's abandoned us. And look at what, what the Lord says. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He doesn't say, Gideon, let me, let me give you a three-point sermon on, on what's actually happening here. Instead, he says, Gideon, I know you got questions, and that's okay. You should have questions. I'm just asking you to trust me because you probably can't understand it right now. But if you'll trust me and you'll go in the strength that you have, I'm gonna help you get on the other side of this because I'm sending you, right? I've called you to this, right? I'm gonna help you with this, right? And you see this happen here in such a really clear way. Can I encourage you, if you have questions for God, if you're having a hard time wrestling with this trust versus doubt, please know that trust does not stop asking questions. Like you can trust God and still ask him questions, right? So trust does not stop asking questions, but trust does not stop because of the questions either. But just because I have questions, it doesn't mean I stop. I can keep moving forward because I can trust God even in the midst of my questions. The two are not mutually exclusive. In fact, think of this. If there is no room for doubt, then there's no necessity for faith. Like it's in the midst of my doubt that I choose faith that I trust God, that I believe in him, even though I can't understand it all. Here's what I've learned. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That's a good promise, isn't it? I learned that as a little kid. And I'm glad I've been able to come back to it over and over again in my life. Because what I've found is that when I lean on my own understanding, my paths are anything but straight. Four-year-old boy in Minnesota, when nobody was watching him, grabbed his great-grandfather's walker and used it like a ladder, climbed up and got the car keys off of a hook on the wall at his grandfather's house, went out into the driveway, got into his grandfather's SUV, four years old, took the car for a joyride. When they found him, he was about a mile and a half down the road at a gas station. They said, why did you take the car? And he said, I wanted to go to the gas station because I wanted to have a Reese's. <laughs> Anybody ever had that urge? Chocolate, peanut butter? I'm going to Speedway right now, right? That's the thought process. 
in this kid's brain. The problem was, along the way, several mailboxes were destroyed. He ran through some yards. He clipped a tree, broke off a piece of grandpa's bumper all along the way. Now, fortunately, nobody got hurt, but it's a great illustration that when I trust in my own way, I go any way but straight. I'm all over the place, and there's usually damage along the way. I do best when I say, God, I have doubts, but I'm gonna put my trust in you. Why? Number one, because God is enough. Now look, that I can affirm. I I can go all through scripture and see how great God is. Number two is where it becomes a game changer for you. Number one, God is enough. Number two, you are enough because God is enough. When God says to you, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, what he's saying to you is, That challenge in front of you, that problem you're facing, that situation, that relationship, that job, whatever it is you're walking through, in this moment, you are enough because God is enough. Go back to the story again. Here's a guy who has an angel appear to him, a messenger from God. He has this message. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, right? And Gideon goes, yeah, yeah, but but this one thing. And then God answers him. Go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? And Gideon goes, Okay, 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 but time out. One more thing, right? This is kind of human nature. I'm gonna question, I'm gonna doubt. Look at this, verse 15. One more time, very politely, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Let me, let me put it in 2019 lingo. Apparently, God, you don't know who you're talking to. See, God, you've got the wrong guy because I'm a nobody from nowhere. I know you called me mighty warrior, but you got to understand you got the wrong guy, which is where God has to help Gideon to change his perspective again, not only from fear to faith, not only from doubt to trust, but we have to change our perspective. Sometimes you may have to change your perspective from weakness to strength because if you're constantly relying on yourself, what you're going to know is weakness but there may come a time when you need to change your perspective from weakness to strength. And we don't, we don't have to talk about strength a whole lot because we were, we were here last week, but if God has put you in the role that you're in, in the job that you're in, dad, in the, in the relationship that you're in as a father, if God's put you in that, he believes that you have what it takes and no matter every other argument that you can make, you need to know that you are enough, so change your perspective from weakness to strength, because God's strength is available to you. And, and this is key for you to know. You more, how, how am I going to do that? Because I know my own frailty. I know the places where I mess up. Strength from God is available to you. Paul prays a prayer for his friends in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And there are times when you've just got to realize you need God's power in your life to do what he's called you to do. There's this guy who's a photographer. Part of his job is not just taking pictures, but then editing them. So really, one of his most important tools is his computer. So he went out and bought a a MacBook uh, laptop from Apple. It was $7,000. He had it like completely kind of tricked out, had all the high power that he needed on this thing. And then one day when he goes to use it, it's it's not working. The display won't come on, the screen. So as a 
you know, you know how computers work. You know, on the screen, it's, it's, it's of no use. So he takes it back to the Apple store and says, hey, can you help me work with this? Over the period of two weeks, they did all this work on his laptop. They replaced the logic board two times. They did all this work. And they finally said, look, we don't know what's wrong with your computer, but we're going to replace it. So they gave him a brand new one. Now, here's what's interesting. He figures that all the work that they put in to get him that new computer, like to fix the whole thing, it probably cost Apple like $10,000. He lost his computer for two weeks to go through this whole process. Then he gets a new one. He's back to work. Then somebody at Apple begins to look at this computer and try to figure it out, and they finally realize what's wrong with it. The brightness display on the screen had been turned all the way down. <laughs> like the, and, and like you read the article, you're like, oh, okay, that's how it happened, this kind of thing. But there's nothing wrong with the computer. You just, you just didn't turn the power up all the way. <laughs> right? The reason you couldn't see is because the light wasn't coming through. Sometimes the reason you don't have strength is because you haven't asked God to let his strength come through you. Sometimes the reason I'm a dim bulb, anybody else, is because I haven't let God's brightness come through me. And I wonder what's wrong here. And I spend lots of time and lots of energy and lots of money sometimes to try to figure it out when it's as simple as saying, maybe I need to shift my thinking, not from my weakness, but to God's strength. And say, God, I feel weak in this situation, but you are strong. God, I don't feel like much of a mighty warrior, but you say I am. So that's what I'm going to choose to be. Look, and when I thought about this, there were a few thoughts that just, I felt like the Spirit put in my heart. And I want to encourage you with some things. And especially for, this is for everybody, but especially for the dads. Look, if you've called to a certain place, and you're quick to go, I don't know if I have what it takes. God says to you, you are enough because God is enough. And if that's the case, then just a few thoughts. One, then take responsibility where you are. Look, for many of us, we get weary, we get tired, we get frustrated, and we're quick to kind of check out or sit back or, or kind of give up. And if God's called you to a role, and dads, you heard it in that video, for some of you, you're the only one who can fill that role. You take responsibility for that. And not only that, but embrace that role. Look, I know that many of you are on the front end of this parenting thing, or maybe you're brand new with kids in your home, and some of you are even just, you're going to be a dad for the very first time. Look, embrace that role. I love what Pastor Keith said in the video. It's the best job you'll ever have. You take responsibility for it. You embrace that role. And can I give you another thought? And I think this is really important because there's, there's a, and especially on a day like today, Father's Day, there's times when we look at this whole thing with our regrets, and we regret the experience that we had in our family. Or we regret the father that we've been. Or we regret the things that we did that we shouldn't have done. Or we regret the things that we didn't do that we wish we had. And we have all these things. And can I encourage you, whether it's generational or if it's in your own life, break cycles that are unhealthy in your life, unhealthy in your family. Read the rest of this story in, in Judges chapter 6, and you'll see the very first thing that Gideon has to do is he has to break some unhealthy cycles in his life so God can make him the mighty warrior he wants him to be. At some point, you, you have to embrace your weakness and say, God, I need your strength to shine through me. You have to change your perspective from weakness to strength. And Gideon says, <laughs> I love it that you called me mighty warrior, but do you know who I am? God, you got the wrong guy. I'm nobody from nowhere. And look at what God says to him. Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered. And I love it that God doesn't give him a pep talk. 
Ah, oh, Giddy, you're really a good guy. <laughs> buddy, you're going to make it. There's times when I need to hear, buddy, you're going to make it. There's other times when I need to hear this. Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. You'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Hey, Gideon, it's not your strength. It's me with you. And when we do this together, you, you won't even be able to believe what I can do through you. You are enough because God is enough. So change your perspective from defeat to victory. Not just from fear to faith, not just from doubt to trust, not just from weakness to strength, but as you look ahead at what God has called you to. And dads, I'd encourage you with this. You change your perspective from defeat to victory because God is with you, mighty warrior. I don't feel like much of a mighty warrior. Then maybe memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And look, for some of you, maybe you've reached a point in life where you've said, look, I can't do it on my own anymore. I just can't make it. I don't know what to do. What a more perfect moment than for you to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life. I need your purpose and direction in my life that you trust in him. Some of you need to hear this today, that victory is found in life with God. You'll never be able to do it on your own. But it's when you look to him and say, God, I know you're enough, so I'm enough because you're enough and I'm living this life with you. For some of you, this passage needs to be more than just some Bible story you heard on a, on a Father's Day Sunday. You may need to believe this in a much stronger way. Judges chapter six, verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want my family to start greeting me like that in the morning. That's my Father's Day wish right there. And when I come down the stairs, they stand there and they say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, right? Didn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? Not gonna happen, but it'd be awesome, right? But you may need to look in the mirror and claim this promise from God and say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Look, I know the struggle's real, and I know life is hard sometimes. Some days your wings are mild. <laughs> Some days they're blazing hot. And everywhere in between, God is right there with you. And know what he says to you? God says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. You know why you're enough? Because I'm enough. And together, I want to do incredible things through you. I stress this because for too many of us, we're afraid to hang on to this. And can I tell you this? There will be moments when you feel like you aren't who God says you are. But can I encourage you with this? You be who God says you are. You be who God says you are. And you hold on to that because there's something inside of you that if you hide it because of fear, the whole world's going to miss out. There is some place that God wants to rescue someone or something through you, your family, your, your, your sphere of influence. And if you hold on to it, then the whole world's going to miss out on that. There is a time when you need to crack that thing open and present to the world what God has put inside of you because God is with you, mighty warrior. There, there's a... There's a, there's a little town called Vermilion in Alberta, Canada, that has this little like museum. You know, sometimes little communities have these little community museums. And there's a family that went uh, camping near there and they were looking for something to do one day. So they went and check out this kind of little volunteer run museum. And they have a safe in this museum that came from an old hotel and it's, it's been there for years. 
and they've never been able to open it. Like they've never been able to get inside of it. And there's, there's speculation about what kind of treasure might be in this old safe. So for years they've tried, they've had blacksmiths come in, they've had locksmiths come in, they've had old employees from the hotel come in, try to figure it out, and they've just kind of turned it in this deal where when people are taking their tour, they say to the guests on the tour of the museum, hey, here's this safe, if you wanna take a crack at it, <laughs> crack the code on this thing, then go ahead, be our guests. So this family went through, dad, mom, grandpa, two little kids. And they got to the point where the safe was and the guy that was giving the tour of the museum said to the family, hey, if any of you want to take a crack at it, we've never been able to figure it out, so give it a shot. So his family all looked at him, and the dad was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. There's pictures online. You can see where he got down in front of the safe. And he looked at it, and he thought to himself, I wonder what kind of combination they would use. He looked at the numbers, and he just said, hmm, maybe I'll try 20, 40, 60. I'll just give it a shot. So he grabbed that dial. He turned it to 20. He kind of gave it the turns around and brought it to 40, turned it back around to 60. With no hope whatsoever that anything would happen, he grabbed that handle, gave it a twist and a pull, and the safe cracked wide open. <laughs> First time, random numbers, made it happen. It was a crazy moment, because this guy just took a, took a shot on a combination that might help him to open up the treasures that are inside of there. You know what the combination is for you? You are enough because God's enough. And there's treasures that are there inside of you. And for many of us, we're too afraid to kind of just give it a shot and see what might be inside of us. And God wants to open up something inside of you. He wants you to know that you are who he says you are. So never forget this mighty warrior. God is with you, so you are enough because he is enough. They got inside the safe and you know what was in there? Basically nothing. Like a couple of old receipts and some information about the hotel, but no treasure, nothing of any value. But my favorite part of the whole story is that dad opens the safe and the two little kids throw their hands up in there and start jumping around and they're like, we cracked the code, we cracked the code, we cracked the code. If I was that dad, I'd have looked at him and said, we did nothing. <laughs> right? <laughs> I cracked the code on that baby. And there's nothing in there. But remember this, what you see as nothing might be everything for your family. And every day there are treasures that you have to unlock and give dads. And it's, it's the world to them. And what sometimes might seem like your own struggle or challenge affects everybody in the sphere around you. And when you crack that code, the whole family celebrates. And look, I know as guys, we don't always like to admit this or say this, but the struggle is real at times, right? Sometimes life's hard. And the things we walk through can, can challenge our confidence and push us to the edge. And I want you to know something today. You are enough because God is enough. So whether you're in this room or an auditorium too, you're watching online, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Super simple. I do believe there are moments when I've just got to say, God, I got to do something with what I've heard. So if you would just simply say, thanks, God, I needed to hear this today. Would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Thanks, God, I needed to hear this today. Let me pray for you. Father, thanks for your word. It's a good reminder that when, when I face fear, that I can pick up faith, come out of my hiding and look for you. And that when I face doubt, even though all my questions aren't answered, I can trust you. 
can move forward in the strength that you have for me. Because in my weakness, God, you are strong. And so today, even though there's times I feel so defeated, I choose victory in you. I embrace what you say about me. In those moments, when I feel like I can't do it, God, I choose and I say, Lord, I know that you are enough, so I'm enough because you're enough. Father, I pray for the one today who has wrestled with these thoughts. God, I pray for the one who hears something on Sunday and then questions their value on Thursday. God, would you remind them that you are with them, that they are a mighty warrior, and with you, they are enough to go through the places and the situations that they find themselves in. God, I pray for the dads today. Lord, no matter their season, the joy they're experiencing or the challenges they're facing, would you stir something up inside of them to take responsibility, embrace their role, break cycles of unhealthiness, and step forward in the calling you have on their lives to be a mighty warrior that influences their family and the world around them for Jesus. Thank you for your word today. May we live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Guys, happy Father's Day. Go in his special favor and his wonderful peace. We'll see you next Sunday.